Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is April the 2nd, uh, April Fool's Day behind us. Although when I look to Washington, we see plenty of April Fools, but I, uh, I'm so glad you could join me this evening and uh, try to play the game of catch-up with all the insanity that passes for the news of the, uh, of the moment. <clears throat> for the longest time, immigration was never even an issue. It was a big deal that during the debate that uh, George W. Bush had during, I believe it was his second campaign for re-election for a second term, that finally they asked a single question about immigration. Immigration has always been portrayed as a minor issue. Nothing to see here, folks. Keep on walking. This is about people that mow lawns, wash dishes, and, uh, and babysit for our children. Nothing to see here. Of course, we know nothing could be further from the truth, because really what has been happening for decades is that the mainstream media has really turned into propaganda, not news, propaganda. If you look at what the 9-11 Commission had to say, it was crystal clear that immigration was the number one failure that resulted in all that happened. It was just that simple. What happened with immigration um, was what happened on 9-11. Failures to secure the border, failure to have an immigration system with real integrity. It was disaster after disaster after disaster, but nobody wanted to talk about it because too many people, frankly, are feeding at a very lucrative trough. And, And I've written about it for a number of websites. I think it's really important. Um, in, in fact, I want to bring something up on my computer if I can make it work. Uh, I have a love-hate relationship with my computer. I think many of us do. Uh, but I believe I can get this. <clears throat> I think I can. Here we go. So you know that I provided testimony to the 9-11 Commission as an immigration agent. I've investigated terrorists. I've arrested terrorists. Um, in fact, my very first fraud case caused me to trip over a terror plot back in Israel, and we prevented the bombing of an oil refinery. That's how important immigration is. But I've written for um, Front Page Magazine. I've been writing for them for the longest time about what's happening on the border. I'm also uh, writing for the American Conservative. And, in fact, I just wrote an article about how important immigration is and what's going on with the border and why it's more than than simply about the children. And I wrote about that for Front Page Magazine as well. For the American for, for the American Conservative, I talked about immigration being a delivery system, which indeed it has become. It delivers an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor, both the illegal aliens and the high-tech visas, both ends of the spectrum. <clears throat> and I can, assure, I can assure you that there's no compassion where exploitation is concerned. There is no compassion where destroying jobs and wages for hardworking Americans is concerned. And it also delivers, the immigration system delivers an unlimited supply of foreign tourists and foreign students. And for the immigration lawyers out there on both sides of the aisle, an unlimited supply of clients. That's why they push comprehensive reform, not to get the aliens out of the shadows. You hire agents to do that, but God forbid you hire agents. So what you want to do, what they want to do, is get the aliens to go into the law firms to get lawful status. And the lawyers are no dummies, both sides of the aisle. Comprehensive immigration reform would have paid the legal fees. Now, why would you do that? And some foolish Americans have said to me, well, you know, they're pandering to the illegal aliens. And they said, wait a minute. No one panders to the powerless. That's silly. You don't pander to the powerless. The reason that the legal fees would have been paid by the government is because the lawyers hate to work for nothing. But now look who's also 
happy with open borders. The labor unions, I mean, there are some good unions still that will not enroll uh, as members illegal aliens. And that's right. You should be protecting jobs and wages for the people that are your members. But don't expect that to happen because the unions are very much like the politicians. More members, more dues, more members, more political leverage. It's all about money and power. Opening up the border, the union's happy. It's about the banks that move money out of the United States. When the aliens work in the country, they send money home. They go to Western Union. They go to the banks. Wherever they go, they wire the money. Well, the money wire services get a piece of the action. They become everyone's silent partner. Various religious organizations are finding that the number of people who um, worship is shrinking, and the numbers are startling. It was just a report about that. <clears throat> so how do you fill the pews in, in churches and other houses of worship? You bring in foreign nationals who will worship. So their numbers are going up. And if you bring in a lot of people, they need a place to stay, and that pumps up the price of real estate. And that also makes the banks happy because if houses are worth more money and people get mortgages to pay for the house, the mortgages are bigger and the profits for the banks are bigger. But, of course, this results in more homelessness. But these wealthy people don't care about homeless. They're not homeless. They're living in mansions scattered all over the world. So who's getting screwed? America is getting screwed. The average Americans are getting screwed. Our children and our grandchildren are getting screwed. And this isn't about xenophobia. You know, that's one of the tactics. You talk about immigration enforcement, they call you a nativist, a xenophobe, um, and on and on. That's not the case. Now, is that to say that some people who oppose immigrants aren't xenophobes? No, of course. And you find all kinds of wacky people on all sides of all arguments, and we can go on forever. But the average person who wants to see our borders made secure against illegal entry, and the average person who wants to make certain we enforce the laws so we don't let criminals and terrorists and foreign workers come in, these are decent people. And the fact that Democrats used to be the biggest advocates for immigration enforcement to protect jobs and wages of Americans back when they uh, claimed to be representing the average blue-collar working American. I'm, I'm a registered Democrat because... Back when I was in college and first signed up as a Democrat, they were all about blue-collar Americans. They were about government workers. My dad was blue-collar, and blue-collar rocks. Blue-collar built this country. The construction workers, the mechanics, uh, all those folks, they are the ones that put this country together. Not the people sitting at, dang, at, at, at desks pushing paper from one side of the desk to the other. The people that built this country get dirt under their fingernails, and they're still out there busting their tails, putting their lives on the line, doing dangerous, filthy, back-breaking work. But, of course, the politicians and the globalists will talk about the work Americans won't do. <clears throat> it's actually the work Americans won't do for substandard wages under illegally dangerous conditions, but they leave that half of the sentence out. But if you go to the 9-11 Commission, immigration was the key issue. Counsel for the 9-11 Commission, Janice Kephart, came up with a, um, what she called an executive summary on a piece that she wrote after 9-11. She was part of the 9-11 Commission. In fact, I provided testimony to Janice Kephart. And what she said was she was going to write this, this, this uh, document, Immigration and Terrorism Moving Beyond the 9-11 Staff Report on Terrorist Travel. And those of you who know this program know me, know that I frequently quote from that 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. It was a companion document to the 9-11 Commission report. That's what it was. And the focus was on how the terrorists were able to move around the world, enter the United States, and hide in plain sight inside our country. <clears throat> and interestingly, uh, Janice Kephart included a quote that was found in a memo pad found in Mohammed Atta's luggage, the, the suitcase did not make it onto the airplane that he subsequently hijacked and flew into the World Trade Center Tower. In fact, again, if you're familiar with the work I've done, Sheila Jackson Lee called me to testify at a hearing back in March of 2002 that focused on how Mohammed Atta, one of the ringleaders, and another cohort, Marwin El-Shehi, 
who was in the cockpit of the other airplane that flew into the towers, how they were able to get authorization to attend flight school in the United States, incredibly, six months to the day after the attacks, after the attacks. So by then the whole world knew, A, they were dead, B, they were terrorists, but that didn't stop the private company that was retained by the old Immigration and Naturalization Service to process applications for the various immigration benefits. Why we give contracts out when it should have been done by the government is not really beyond me, because I know why. Contracts are all about placating contributors and everything else. Now, I don't know if that was the case here, but frequently that's what happens. Organizations make campaign contributions. They wind up with contracts. Talk about pay for play. Now, again, I don't know that that's the case here, so I don't want anyone getting the wrong idea. This may not have had anything to do with it. But it is astonishing to me that this computer company, based, I believe, in Texas, <clears throat> could screw up that badly. And so there was a hearing. There were four witnesses called by the House Judiciary Committee. I was one of the four witnesses. That hearing is still on the permanent library at C-SPAN, and it's worth watching. Because you could see all the angry and, frankly, scared and indignant members of Congress who made all kinds of demands. We must secure the border. We must know who's in the country. We must not allow terrorists in. We should not be giving documents to people who are dangerous. And on and on and on. And now look at Joe Biden. You have an absolute free-for-all on the border. Maybe we should be calling Joe Biden. I know Trump called him sleepy, Joe. Maybe we should call him Captain Chaos. Because the good ship America, well, on that border, that's exactly what we have, folks. Utter, complete, total chaos. And it is unnerving. So let me read to you what uh, Janice Kephart did. And she started out with a quote from what they believe was a prayer that was found in a memo in a memo pad in Muhammad Atta's suitcase. They don't know if it belonged to him or someone else. But one of the key sentences of how she started this document, and it's an interesting sentence. Think about it. Oh, God, you who open all the doors, please open all doors for me. Open all venues for me. Open all avenues for me. They believe it was spoken by Atta or written down by Atta. It's attributed to him. Now, what are they talking about? <clears throat> was it the doors on the airplane? Was it the doors that led him into the United States? He didn't run the border. He came through an international airport. Most of the terrorists do. But that's not to say that they're not also coming, coming across borders or stowing away on ships. You know, as soon as you say that, well, they came on airplane. Well, we don't have to worry about the border. Then they're coming on airplanes. That's like someone whose house gets burglarized and someone breaks the back window in their bedroom and they call in a security company and they, secure, they say, just secure that one window. What about the other windows? No, the, the guy came through my bedroom window. Well, what about the guest room? What about the living room window? No, 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 no. They, they, they didn't come in that way. Just, just secure the bedroom window. A rational person would say, wait a minute, I had a burglar come into my house and he or she came in by breaking a window, I need to reinforce all of my windows because they could come through any one of those windows. Maybe we should reinforce the doors and put better locks on. But basically, there are people that will say to you, well, it came through the borders, through a port of entry. We don't have to worry about the spaces between the Mexican border. Uh, by the way, you get that argument also when you talk about how many narcotics, tonnage that are seized at ports of entry and then the argument is, well, see, they're smuggling in through ports of entry. We don't have to worry about what goes on between the ports of entry. I kid you not, people have actually said it to me. You say, wait a minute. We know that they're smuggling through ports of entry, but they do interdict drugs between ports of entry, and you know what you're catching, but you don't know what, you don't know what you're not catching. Idiotic. Idiotic. But in point of fact, immigration fraud was the way that the terrorists have consistently had those avenues open to them, had the doors open to them. In a very real sense, our ports of entry are the equivalent of America's front door. And that's why when I provided testimony um, for the uh, law firm retained by Governor Jan Brewer to represent Arizona over the Obama administration's Justice Department lawsuit over SB 1070, the immigration law that Jan Brewer, then governor of Arizona, uh, was enacting. And the way I described my tenure, the first four years of my 30-year career with the INS, when I was an inspector at Kennedy Airport, 
was the time that I had my eye to the peephole on America's front door. So here you have Atta saying, open those doors, open those borders, open up all those means of getting into the country and having access to the airplanes that they would ultimately use as cruise missiles and turn them into projectiles to kill everyone on the airplane and, and bring down the World Trade Center, the Pentagon, and then one plane, of course, crashed in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Open all the avenues. So what Kephart found in going through the report, she kind of boiled it down. And these are the immigration violations. And I want you to think about this when you watch Joe Biden creating chaos within the immigration system. Uh, in fact, let me, let me start out reading this. This report covers the immigration histories of 94 terrorists who operated in the United States between the early 1990s and 2004, including six of the September 11th hijackers. Other than the hijackers, almost all of these individuals have been indicted or convicted for their crimes. The report builds on prior work done by the 9-11 Commission and the Center for Immigration Studies, providing more information that has been previously been made public. The findings show widespread terrorist violations of immigration laws. The report highlights the danger of a lax immigration system, not just in terms of who is allowed in, but also how terrorists once in the country used weaknesses in the system to remain here. The report makes clear that strict enforcement of immigration laws at American consulate overseas, at ports of entry, and within the United States must be an integral part of our efforts to prevent future attacks on U.S. soil. Think of that statement. Think about sanctuary cities. Think about chaos on the border. Think about the instructions that Biden has given to ICE agents telling them you will not arrest illegal aliens, even if you encounter them, unless you have a specific warrant for that alien. And if that illegal alien is a serious criminal, you can take him or her into custody, but you cannot go near anybody else that they're with, even if they are also here illegally. Understand that the people that were involved in the Trade Center bombing in 93, an illegal alien, a visa violator, rented the truck, and another visa violator drove the truck with the bomb into the garage of the World Trade Center, where they set it off, killed six, injured over a thousand, and almost brought the towers down. They created over a half billion in damages. And today we know there was a, a tragedy in Washington. Um, an individual by the name of Noah Green, at least that's how he's being identified, according to uh, one report, he was an adherent to Farrakhan, um, drove a car at two Capitol Police officers, killing one, badly injuring the other, jumped out with a knife and was subsequently shot by other Capitol Police officers who were responding to the scene. Once again, the murder weapon was a motor vehicle. But we're giving driver's licenses to people who can't prove who they are. You know, my dad, when he taught me to drive, said, Mike, that car is more deadly than a firearm. You can kill people if you're not careful. When you get behind the wheel, don't think of it as transportation. Think of it as a potential weapon and treat it accordingly. Very wise advice. But my parents, of course, were my heroes. I stand on their shoulders every day, get up, uh, even though they've been gone for over a half century. But my dad was right. And today, once again, we saw where in point of fact the motor vehicle was intentionally used as a deadly weapon. And in this case, the Capitol Police officer is now dead. So we're giving driver's licenses to people who can't prove who they are, <clears throat> and we have chaos in the immigration system. And by the way, uh, while Biden has done the most egregious damage to the immigration system, even the way George W. Bush put together the Department of Homeland Security, I've spoken about it previously, he violated the enabling legislation that created DHS. The Homeland Security Act did not intend for immigration to be split into Customs and Border Protection and ICE. It was supposed to be the Bureau of Border Security, and it was supposed to encompass all immigration law enforcement efforts. But Bush is a globalist. His brother Jeb, not surprisingly, during the debates for the campaign of the president, said that illegal immigration was an act of love. 
The politicians have ignored the 9-11 Commission completely, and they won't talk about it, except to say we need a 9-11-style commission to figure out what happened on January 6th at the Capitol this year. But don't ask them what's in the 9-11 Commission report. They will probably run for their lives or run for their nearest campaign contribution. But let me go back and again read the preface to this executive summary. This report covers the immigration histories of 94 terrorists who operated in the United States between the early 1990s and 2004, including six of the September 11th hijackers. Other than the hijackers, almost all of these individuals had been indicted or convicted for their crimes. The report builds on prior work done by the 9-11 Commission and the Center for Immigration Studies, providing more information than has been previously made public. Okay? The findings show widespread terrorist violation of immigration laws. The report highlights the danger of a lax immigration system, not just in terms of who is allowed in, but also how terrorists once in the country used weaknesses in the system to remain here. The report makes clear that strict enforcement of immigration law at American consulates overseas, at ports of entry and within the United States, must be an integral part of our efforts to prevent future attacks on U.S. soil. By the way, folks, the first time I testified before a congressional hearing was in 1997, May 20th. The topic was immigration fraud and benefit fraud, and that hearing was convened because of the terror attack at the Trade Center I just made note of in 93, and the previous month, the attack at the CIA where... Uh, an individual from Pakistan jumped out of his courier van, again a vehicle, pulled out an AK-47, opened fire, killed two CIA officers, and wounded three others. Again, motor vehicles. You see a thread? You go to the airport, you know, they could combine the uh, health insurance with, with, with airline insurance, perhaps because you pretty much get a physical trying to get on an airplane. But no one talks about motor vehicles, trucks, cars, the barriers that we put up to prevent bombings. But meanwhile, we have no idea who's behind the wheel. <clears throat> now, among the findings noted in this report, let me read this to you. It's startling. Uh, I'm familiar with it, but I'm sure you're not, and it will make you think about immigration in a very different way. Of the 94 foreign-born terrorists who operated in the United States, the study found that about two-thirds, or 59, committed immigration fraud prior to or in conjunction with taking part in terrorist activity. Of the 59 terrorists who violated the law, many committed multiple immigration violations, 79 instances in all. In 47 instances, immigration benefits sought or acquired prior to 9-11 enabled the terrorists to stay in the United States after 9-11 and continue their terrorist activities. In at least two instances, terrorists were still able to acquire immigration benefits after 9-11. Temporary visas were a common means of entering. 18 terrorists had student visas and another four had applications approved to study in the United States. At least 17 terrorists used a visitor's visa, either tourist B-2 or a business visa, a B-1 visa. There were 11 instances of passport fraud and 10 instances of visa fraud. In total, 34 individuals were charged with making false statements to an immigration official. I would actually say that the number is even higher because any time an alien enters the United States, they are questioned by the inspector at the port of entry as to who they are, how long they plan to stay, and what the purpose of their visit is. I know I did that job for four years. So just about all of these terrorists that entered the United States through ports of entry, and they all lied because I don't think any of them said to the inspector, I'm coming to kill Americans. <clears throat> but maybe that's just me. So they talk about the 34 individuals were charged with making false statements to an immigration official. In at least 13 instances, terrorists overstayed their temporary visas. Meanwhile, Joe Biden said, if you violate your visa, we're not going to arrest you. Have at it. Continue to do whatever it is you're doing. In 17 instances, terrorists claim to lack proper travel documents that applied for asylum. Kind of like what we're seeing with Mexico right now, isn't it, folks? And applied for asylum often at a port of entry. 
fraud was used not only to gain entry into the United States, but also to remain or embed in the country. Seven terrorists were indicted for acquiring or using various forms of fake identification, including driver's licenses, birth certificates, social security cards, and immigration arrival records. And you have cities like New York, which was hammered the worst on 9-11, providing municipal identity documents to illegal aliens, and many other cities are doing the same exact thing. They're giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens. And in New York State, motor vehicle information will not be shared with DHS without a subpoena, which means you'll wait weeks to get the information if you get it at all. Think of how insane this all is. <clears throat> now, it goes on and says, once in the United States, 16 of 23 terrorists became legal permanent residents often by marrying an American. There were at least nine sham marriages. In total, 20 of 21 foreign terrorists became naturalized U.S. citizens. So just stop and think about that. <clears throat> and what's really funny, forgive me for clearing my throat. I've been doing too much talking today. Uh, I, I saw a, a movie on TV this morning. I was getting ready to go on Bobby Gunther's program at WAEB in Pennsylvania. I'm on his show generally every other week for an hour. Uh, you may want to check it out. It's usually every other Friday. I'll be back in two more weeks on his program at WAEB. But um, just before I went on the air, I turned on the TV to see what was on the news. And as I was getting to the news station, there was a movie on called Immigration Tango, a comedy about how two couples swap partners, not for sex, but for green cards. Big joke. Ha ha. And here I just read to you that immigration fraud was a method of entry and embedding for the terrorists. How many other movies have focused on marriage fraud as, as though it's a joke? And I spent a year doing those marriage interviews, by the way. <clears throat> There's the movie The Proposal with Sandra Bullock, and there was another movie going back years ago um, called Green Card, another comedy. This isn't funny. This is undermining national security. And the crazies are out there. Cancel culture. Obama needs to be canceled. Well, I agree Obama should be canceled. But they're upset because he deported too many aliens. That's how you protect jobs and lives of Americans, folks. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. Now, that was then. This is now. On February 19, 2021, just a couple of weeks ago, six weeks ago about, <clears throat> pardon me, gosh, I feel terrible doing that. The Department of Justice issued a press release, federal charges against Stanford University researcher expanded. Here's a subtitle. Grand jury adds obstruction, alteration of records, and false statements to visa fraud charges against visiting researcher alleged to be a member of China's People's Liberation Army. And it begins by saying a federal grand jury issued a subpoena, a superseding indictment charging Chen Sung with visa fraud, obstruction of justice, destruction of documents, and false statement to connection with the scheme to conceal and lie about her status as a member of the People's Republic military forces while in the United States. She was a spy. And what is she being charged with? immigration fraud and what does biden want to do give lawful status to what he claims are 11 million illegal aliens with that many people there will be no interviews there will be no field investigations <clears throat> we will have no idea who these people are we won't we won't and then they can bring in all their family members and if we wind up with the 25 or 30 million that i believe we really would wind up with after all yale university two years ago or three years ago said that they estimated that there were 22.1 million illegal aliens in the United States. We could have a human tsunami of well over 100 million immigrants coming to the United States thanks to Joe Biden, which is why Joe Biden refuses to call what's happening on the border a crisis because it's what he wants. How could your goal be a crisis? His goal is a success. We think of it as a crisis. He thinks of it as a success. One man's meat is another man's poison. So what we're looking at right now with the Biden administration 
is an immigration system that is in total, utter, and complete meltdown. There is no system. The Border Patrol are actually turning people loose without even giving them court dates. So if they're encountered by immigration years from now, are they legal? Are they illegal? I don't know. The Border Patrol gave them the permission to come in. They didn't give them a court date. How long can they stay here? Pretty much forever. Pretty much forever. As it was, the system is so overwhelmed that aliens who were getting court dates are getting court dates years from now. Imagine you get pulled over for speeding in a school zone, a fairly serious crime, and, you know, you're endangering people's lives, and the cop says, well, I'm not going to arrest you. I'm going to give you a summons. Okay, officer, when do I need to appear in traffic court? Um, Make it March 15th, 2028. 28, that's seven years from now. Yeah, well, we're kind of busy. Is this insane? Is this crazy? What is this? And look at what I just read to you. Terrorists overstaying their visas, applying for immigration benefits, all these programs that I wish Donald Trump had raised during what was supposed to have been a debate with Joe Biden. But frankly, I was underwhelmed. He asked Joe Biden, can you say law enforcement, Joe? That's not a debate tactic. Honest to God, I wish I had been debating Joe Biden because I would have said, Joe, have you read the 9-11 Commission report? And talk about opening all doors. That would have opened all of the doors to explode the treachery of the Biden administration, the treachery of prior administrations. We were attacked in 93. It was obvious immigration fraud was the issue. And you may not know this, but in 1996, thereabouts, the Clinton administration embarked on a program called Citizenship USA, or CUSA, where then-Commissioner of the Immigration Service, Doris Meisner, pushed to get over a million aliens through the naturalization process lickety-split. So quickly they hired outsiders to do the adjudications. Up until then, the only people who were allowed to do naturalization interviews were longtime employees of the Immigration Service. Most, if not all, were lawyers. And we did field investigations to make certain the aliens possessed good moral character. It wasn't optional. It's in the law. And under Meisner, under Clinton, they pushed this machinery. They hired people off the street. And they stopped doing routine, not, you know, door knock. Do you know Charlie? Is he a good guy? Does he beat his wife? Does he, you know, hang out with prostitutes? That went out the window. In fact, they pushed so many applications through so quickly that frequently they naturalized aliens before the fingerprints came back, and they said, well, if we find out the guy's a criminal, we'll just take his citizenship away. And no one ever said, well, wait a minute, why are we doing this blind, mad rush? Employees of the old INS went to the Office of Inspector General and said, this is corruption, this is crooked. And they did an investigation and found that there was a problem just like they did with a guy by the name of Alejandro Mayorkas, who is now the head of citizenship, he's now the head of DHS, used to be the head of Citizenship and Immigration Services under Obama, and the employees there said, you know, he's ordering us to approve applications that legally should never be approved, applications for green cards and visas. So the Office of Inspector General did an investigation and found that, yes, Mayorkas politicized the the, uh, approval of visas, They mentioned Terry McAuliffe, who's linked, of course, to Hillary Clinton, the Bill and Hillary show, and said that he was approving applications that shouldn't have been approved, that he had politicized his job, politicized his job. Now, what's remarkable is Mayorkas went from the head of Citizenship and Immigration Services, which is a component agency under DHS, and now he runs all of DHS. So the Border Patrol answers to him, ICE answers to him, The inspectors at ports of entry answer to him, and the adjudicators all answer to him. And I don't think anybody during the confirmation hearings asked him about why he was investigated by the Office of Inspector General or why they found that he had acted improperly. Screw up and move up. I guess that's the slogan of our government. George W. Bush, as far as I'm concerned, committed an impeachable offense for failing to follow the Homeland Security Act when he created the Department of Homeland Security and took immigration, cut it in half, 
and folded into immigration enforcement, customs, agriculture, PSA, all kinds of other agencies, when the whole point to the Homeland Security Act was to tighten up border security and immigration law enforcement because of the lessons that we learned after the attacks of 9-11. What George W. Bush did flew 180 degrees in the opposite direction from the findings and recommendations of the 9-11 Commission. And when I thought it couldn't get worse than Bush, and I was told by some members of Congress that when my name came up in the Oval Office, Bush would start cursing a blue streak. I only wish I had a video of that. I was told that I could have gone to an event to listen to him speak. It was a dinner. A member of Congress was going to get me an invitation. I said, you expect me to sit there and eat and listen to this guy? No, thank you. I'd rather go to Burger King, McDonald's, or, 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 or Wendy's or some other place. I turned down the invitation. He did incredible damage with the way he created the Department of Homeland Surrender. And just when I thought it couldn't get worse, I should have remembered my father's admonition that nothing is so good it couldn't be better or be so bad it couldn't get worse. We get Barack Obama, and he blew the door off the hinges. And then we had a respite. We had a respite. His name was Donald Trump. I didn't always agree with Trump. I certainly didn't like what he did with, with the debates because he could have eaten Biden's lunch. Instead, he was lazy and, and, and didn't do what he should have done, didn't do his homework. I don't think he prepared for that damn debate. The key to that debate is to ask Biden about what his immigration policies would do to national security, public safety, public health, and the jobs and wages of Americans. Missing in action. And now we've got Joe Biden. Joe Biden has answered my question. Who is the worst president in the history of the United States of America? And you know what, folks? It's easy. It's Joe Camilla Harris Biden. The, the dynamic duo, or not so dynamic as the case may be. We have chaos on the border, and the media is focused on those children who are being warehoused. They're horrible pictures. Pictures of those two little girls being dropped over the wall, heartbreaking. I'm a father, I'm a grandfather. It sickened me. But I'm not shocked. I've spoken about this. I've investigated human traffickers and alien smugglers. I was at every squad within the investigations branch. I spent 10 years with the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force as a senior INS agent. So I had desks at the FBI and DEA and ATF. I worked with foreign governments. Terrorists and human traffickers are often one and the same. In fact, as I've spoken about on this program before, Hezbollah, which is a terrorist organization, which emanates from Lebanon but is run and financed by Iran, is working with human traffickers and drug smugglers throughout Latin America to move narcotics and people into the United States, including sleeper agents. Including sleeper agents. But again, we're not hearing about this from the members of Congress. Well, they found some people on a terror watch list. Yeah, okay. Whoopie-doo. So you know who you caught. You don't know who you didn't catch. And most terrorists aren't on any watch lists anyway. So, yes, the fact that you found people that are on the watch list makes it clear that people who are involved with terrorism are coming across the border. That's not a shock. We know this. But why aren't they talking about it in more detail? Why isn't anyone saying that a massive amnesty program would involve possibly well over $100 million? I'll tell you why. Because both political parties are still hoping that they can somehow persuade the American people that comprehensive reform is a wonderful thing. How many times do you see the journalists asking these politicians, When will you pass comprehensive immigration reform? Oh, we're trying so hard. Like saying, when are you going to drive your father's truck off a cliff? Why the hell would you do it? Why would you do it? Oh, the poor immigrants. The poor immigrants. What about the poor Americans? And by the way, when you allow criminals into the United States, and I don't care what part of the world they're from, this isn't about Latinos. That's another lie. Our immigration laws have nothing to do with race or religion or ethnicity. I've arrested criminals from Asia and Africa, the Caribbean and Europe, and, yes, Latin America. I've even arrested a couple of criminals from Australia. I got an award from the government of Japan. This isn't about brown skin. That's another one of the lies. Another one of the lies. But when criminals come to America, they live in the communities that most resemble who they are. So if you're a Jamaican posse member, you live in the Caribbean community. 
if you're a Mexican drug dealer, you live where the Mexicans live. If you're an Israeli mobster, and I've locked those knuckleheads up also, then you live in the ethnic Israeli communities, or the Italian mob live among the Italians, and on and on and on. And who do you think suffers generally the most violence at the hands of these foreign terrorists and criminals? The immigrants who live in those same communities. Look at who falls victim to MS-13. Every once in a while, you'll see some name that's not Latino, but 90% of the time, the last name of the person who was killed or raped or beaten or robbed is a Latino. You think we're doing the Latino community a favor by allowing MS-13 and other gangs like that to live among them? Many of these folks come here. They can't wait to get here. They want to get away from these criminals. They want to get away from the corruption. And two days after they come here, they're walking down the block, and they recognize some thug from back home. And they think, oh, my God, now what do I do? Now where do I go? But the narrative is it's pro-immigrant to not deport aliens. Brilliant Governor Cuomo, who's slowly crashing and burning, and I'm enjoying watching it. This is the guy that called immigration agents thugs. This is the guy who decided with the New York State Legislature to give illegal aliens driver's licenses and not share the information with Homeland Security. You've got to love this guy, right? He's right up there with Dr. Kevorkian, among my favorites. So he calls the immigration agents thugs, and we've got to protect the immigrants from immigration agents. Really? We need to protect New York from Governor Cuomo is what we need to protect. But most people tend to be selfish. I remember not long after 9-11, about a year later, I got a call from a reporter. I forgot if he was with Associated Press or some other organization, and he called my cell phone. And, and back then, the cell phone numbers weren't clearly identifiable as a New York number. It took a while for people to figure it out. And now, of course, people have moved, so you can have any area code on any phone and live anywhere. But back then, he had no idea that I was from New York, I guess. And he called me up, and he said to me, Mr. Cutler, my name is, you know, whoever, Joe Smith, Joe Idiot, more likely. I'm a reporter with, you know, whoever. If you wanted to sneak into the United States without detection, do you think you could do it? I said, well, nothing is foolproof, but I could probably figure out a way. Why are you asking me? Well, I'd like to interview you about that. And I said to him, are you out of your mind? Do you think I'm going to sit here? So you could do a story about how people can come to America without detection and kill us? I said, have you lost your mind? I said, I have nothing to say to you. He said, well, I'm sorry to upset you, but let me ask you another question. If you're not willing to talk about that, he said, my family lives in Ohio, and they just arrested some aliens who were involved with terrorism. They wanted to blow up the mall in my neighborhood. And he said, you know, they blew up the towers in New York, but that's New York. He said, really and truly, but I live here. 800 miles from New York, why would I care about the World Trade Center? But they want to blow up the mall when my wife takes my children shopping. And I said, hey, genius, let me see if I understand this. Not a big deal that the World Trade Center was reduced to rubble because you don't live in New York? He said, well, you know, it, 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 it's a problem. I said, it's a problem? So I told the guy that he ought to attempt anatomical impossibility if you get my drift. And I hung up on him. But it dawned on me that he's not alone in this. And how many people do you know, unless you live in, quote, unquote, one of the border states, you know, the border states, California, New Mexico, Texas, Arizona, if you live far from that Mexican border, do you really think illegal immigration is a problem? And it dawned on me that many people don't. They don't understand what this is really all about. But I was so enraged. So enraged that this yo-yo masquerading as a journalist, of course, you got lots of yo-yos in journalism now, don't you? But that this clown, this idiot who needed a big rubber nose and big floppy shoes would say to me, I don't live in New York. Why would I care that they blow up the buildings? I called up John Hostetler, who at the time was the chairman of the House Immigration Subcommittee. I said, John, we've got to do something about this. And I came up with an idea, and I said, the next time there's a hearing, would it be possible for you to have one of the people on staff 
prepare a map of the United States of America and put a little circle or a little marker of all the towns and cities from where, from where all the victims of 9-11 came. Because there were people on those airplanes. They weren't New Yorkers. There were people visiting the World Trade Center. They weren't New Yorkers. And he said, we can do that. And he came up with a big, beautiful map, and they posted I believe it was under the rotunda. They said it would be posted for several months. I think it was six months. And a place where just about every member of Congress was likely to walk past it several times a day. And at the hearing, when we introduced that poster, I made the point that no American city is safe if any American city is attacked. But I want you to understand that we are a country of 50 border states. And the aliens who come through the border don't stay at the border for long. This isn't like Neil Armstrong going to the moon. You know, he landed, planted a flag, grabbed some rocks, jumped back in the lunar module, and hightailed it out of, out of Dodge to come back to, to, to Earth. The aliens who run the border aren't planting flags, grabbing rocks, and going home. They're headed to the rest of the country. And the Border Patrol is helping them. In essence, the Border Patrol is completing the human trafficking. Just stop and let the enormity of that sink in. A couple of days ago, Epic Times reported on our members of the cartel was standing at water's edge of the Rio Grande, screaming obscenities and threats to members of Congress that were there to see what was going on with their own eyes. And these guys were standing there flipping them the bird and screaming obscenities and daring them to do something about it. And it makes perfect sense that they would do it. They should be doing it because the Biden administration has given control of America's border to the cartels and terrorist organizations. That's what he has effectively done. So they've become emboldened. And every time Biden says, don't come yet, <clears throat> the guest room isn't painted yet. Right. Well, what do you mean? Don't come now. Never come illegally. <clears throat> and economic refugees should not be getting political asylum. It's political asylum, not economic asylum. Half the world lives below the poverty line. By that standard, we should be admitting at least 3 billion people. You think we can do that? I'm sure Biden would like to do it. This is not in the best interest of America or Americans. And one of the questions that I'd love to see politicians be asked by so-called journalists, and I don't care if it's immigration or other issues, how is your proposed legislation, how are your policies good news for the average American or good news for the average New Yorker if we're dealing with something that the mayor is coming up with or the governor is coming up? How is that good for the Americans? How is that good for the citizens who live here? Shouldn't that be the first concern? I was a single parent for a number of years. My, my first wife died when our son was an infant. It was a tough deal. And I was offered jobs elsewhere. I was offered promotions. I turned them all down. But I turned them down because my first consideration was my own son. What I did had to be in his best interest. Donald Trump's plans, and again, I have issues with Trump. I'm not, I'm not one of these guys who, Trump is always right, no. But goodness, America first means Americans first. The country would do for Americans what I tried my best to do for my son. Put American interests at the head of the list. Not corporations, not foreign governments, not political considerations. What's in the best interest of the average American? Is it in the best interest of the average American to flood America with so many workers that wages go down and jobs are lost and homelessness goes up and drug abuse climbs through the roof? And we wind up with so many kids going to school who can't speak, read, or write English that instead of <clears throat> being able to put laboratories in the classrooms or hire teachers to help children with learning disabilities, we're spending a ton of money on English as a second language to accommodate the children who come here from other countries and can't speak English. In fact, I believe it's in California where the teachers are told that they can give in-person training to the immigrant children, but not to the American kids. I mean, think about how insane this is. Not only is the U.S. government not looking out for Americans, they're doing harm to Americans. These are failures by design to placate the bribers, the political campaign contributors. 
And then you have to understand that in addition to the fact that the aliens who run the border don't stay along the border for long, they head to the rest of the country. Think of these terrorists who came through ports of entry. Think of this Chinese spy, alleged Chinese spy. Let's be clear, alleged. She's not been yet convicted. Um, came through a port of entry. So I go back to my point that America doesn't have just four border states, but 50 border states. I remember when I first started uh, doing public speaking events after 9-11, I could tell who was reading my articles by asking the audience, how many border states do we have? And most people, would, they'd be looking at their fingers and they're going, well, there's California. Hey, Mabel, what's next to California? Oh, New Mexico. And, and you knew they didn't know what they would they, they didn't get it. And you have a couple of people in the audience, they'd be waving their hand vigorously. Mr. Cutler, we got 50 border states. They say, you've been reading my articles. Yes, I have. You see, Because any state that lies on the northern border or the southern border is a border state. Any state that lies along America's 95,000 miles of coastline is a border state. Any state that has an international airport is a border state. So who are we leaving out? We're a nation of 50 border states. So the most critical issue, and I would put it right up there with the border wall, I think it's maybe even more important than the border wall, is interior enforcement. I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question, and let's see how you do with this one. I've asked it in the past, but maybe you forgot or maybe you weren't listening to that show. Supposing Joe Biden is getting so much pressure, even from the Democrats along the Mexican border, that he says, okay, okay, you win. Not only am I going to finish Trump's damn wall that I hate, I'm going to put barbed wire on top of it, and I'm going to run 100,000 volts of electricity through the barbed wire. And let's say Joe Biden does this. Now, what would you say if I told you that I could put something into your pocket that weighs less than a few ounces, and that with that in your pocket, you could walk right past that wall as though it wasn't there. Isn't that an interesting question? We're not talking about a ladder that weighs a couple of ounces and fits in your pocket. What could I be possibly talking about? Hmm. What would fit in your pocket and get you past that border wall with 50,000 volts of electricity surging through barbed wire on top of it? Folks, you ready for this one? It's a green card. It's a green card. It's a visa. You could legally walk into a port of entry and say, here I am, honey, I'm home. And they say, welcome home. And you walk right on in. And that was the point the 9-11 Commission made. And how do you combat immigration fraud? You slow down the system where you naturalize people, where you adjudicate applications for green cards and political asylum, and you go after the people who commit fraud, and that means having interviews and investigations, and it means having an infrastructure in place to address values of the immigration system that have been used repeatedly by the terrorists. That's what you do. That's what you do. You don't wave the white flag and say, come blow up America. You look at the 9-11 Commission report. I mean, Pelosi's screaming about the 9-11 Commission report. We need a 9-11 Commission so that we can figure out what happened on January 6th. We know what happened January 6th. You had a riot. You had a riot. Okay. Well, we need a 9-11 Commission-style report. Does she know what's on the report? I'd like some reporter to have the guts or the integrity to say to her, hey, Nancy, did you read the report? Why aren't you following its advice? Why isn't Joe Biden following its advice? Why didn't George W. Bush follow its advice? Why didn't Bill Clinton pay attention to that hearing where I testified when the topic was about immigration fraud because of the 93 terror attacks? Why did Ronald Reagan create an amnesty program that was supposed to involve 1 million, almost involve 4 million, but even that's not the number because to this day nobody will tell you how many children they brought in and when they became citizens, how many brothers and sisters and extended family members did they bring in? See, Reagan's amnesty probably brought in about 25 million immigrants, not the 1 million he promised. And Joe is promising 11 million. Well, you know where that's going to wind up. But no one's going to ask those questions because the Chamber of Commerce, I call them the Chamber of Horrors, 
and a whole bunch of other people feeding at the trough. Go back and read the articles that I wrote last week for Front Page Magazine and the American Conservative. You'll see exactly what's going on. We're flooding America with people. No scrutiny. We have no idea who they are. We don't know where they're going. And once they get to the interior of the United States, they're gone, never to be seen again. There's no one to look for them. In this game of hide-and-seek, they hide. Nobody's going to seek. So you've basically convinced the world. Now, this is really what's dangerous. If you get one opportunity for a first impression, think about this, folks. And I made this point at one of my earliest hearings. It's been said you get one opportunity for a first impression. Okay, what are the laws that aliens generally first encounter when they're looking to enter the United States? Motor vehicle laws, um, banking laws, the laws of physics, or the immigration laws. Well, it's the immigration laws, right? And what have we convinced the world? In America, violations of our borders and violations of our immigration laws aren't only going to be tolerated, but rewarded. Don't come now. What do you mean don't come now? Don't come at all. No, don't come now. We're preparing the guest room. We have to paint and buy you new furniture. Give us a couple of months when everything is set up. We have a visa system, folks. Every year we legally admit tens of millions of temporary visitors. Every year we admit over a million lawful immigrants. I'm not sure what the numbers are this year because of COVID. But we generally admit more immigrants than the rest of the world combined. Every year we naturalize over a half million new citizens. Again, more than the rest of the world combined. Many countries won't even give alien citizenship. So it's not as though we have a sealed-off border. And then you hear the lies. Oh, my God, that border wall is a wall of hate. They hate Latinos. The border wall isn't designed to stop anybody. I've made this point before. I want it to sink in. All the border wall does is funnel all people and all commerce through ports of entry. If the point to the wall was to cut the United States off from Mexico, then you would seal off the ports of entry. Those ports of entry are wide open. So all that that border wall does is guide all people and all commerce to ports of entry. Think of it the same way you do the velvet rope at the bank that guides customers to the next available teller. Better yet, think of it like the cattle runs that we go through when we get to the airport and we're going to go through TSA before we get on an airplane. There's an orderly process so TSA can go through your suitcase, check your ID, and let you get on board the airplane. And I always like to end my, my interviews or my program with a question. And I asked this question about a year and a half ago on Fox and Friends first. I hate getting up that early. You have jet lag without traveling when you, when you get up at 3 in the morning. I don't know if I'm staying up late or getting up early. I'm totally confused. But I asked them, would you get on board an airplane if you saw people on your plane sneaking past TSA? And, of course, they let out a squeal and said, oh, my God, no. I said, then why are we being forced to live among millions of people who evaded a very similar vetting process that we conducted ports of entry? And everyone's light bulbs went off. Everybody got it. Everybody said, oh, my God, what are we doing? Oh, my God, what is Joe Biden doing? What in the world is he doing? Think, think of the long-term consequences. Realize that what he's doing violates the findings and recommendations of the 9-11 Commission. Please realize that what he is doing will forever alter America, undermine national security, undermine public safety, and destroy jobs and wages for Americans. For all the talk about all the jobs they want to create, if you bring in 100 million kids and they quickly become adults, what's the plan to hire 100 million new workers? These are the questions that should be asked of Biden, of Harris. Of course, he's not going to pick on that reporter, and he's not going to answer the question. This is hardly the most transparent administration we've ever seen. It's also uh, hardly the most ethical or honest administration we've ever seen. I thank you for watching. I wish all of you happy Passover, happy Easter. It's a joyous time of the year. Hang in there, folks. Have conversations with your neighbors, and please remember that democracy is not a spectator sport. See you next week right here. So long for now.